Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you again, and good Arab Shabbos. Appreciate that. We uh, heard what happened yesterday, and uh, as I as I unfortunately say too often, the collective Jewish heart uh, was in great pain after hearing of this terrorist attack where a, a teenage Arab terrorist infiltrated Kiryat Arba, uh, where he went into the uh, bedroom of a 13-year-old girl and stabbed her to death. Uh, now we hear of uh, reports of a um, of a of a of an attempted um, uh, terrorist attack last night in Natanya. We hear what happened today in Maratha Machpelah, a female terrorist who uh, went ahead and uh, attempted to stab a, a security officer at Maratha Machpelah, the cave of the patriarchs. Last week, you and I spoke about the possibility of this becoming a trend as the summer season commences, are we in fact seeing more incitement and even uh, worse, the more likelihood of this type of violence over the next few weeks? Well, there are uh, a lot of factors that we have discussed in the past. For one, this is Ramadan, and as you know, with Rosh Rosh Chodesh coming, uh, Ramadan will end, and this has always been a period when uh, there is escalated violence. One would think that because they're fasting, there would be less violence, that they're tired, but, you know, it's also during the summers, and it's been scorching hot, so perhaps people are driven more crazy than usual, but it is not the weather, and it's not the calendar, it's the incitement coming from the Palestinian Authority, led by Mahmoud Abbas, that uh, is largely responsible for this. The, the, uh, you can trace it to some of the statements that are made, to the things that are broadcast on Palestinian TV, on, on, in all of their media, in the uh, mosques, and the determination to finally act decisively. We can't root it out completely. You can't go into every home and every place and, and root it out, but you can demand and assure that from the top, the message goes out that the behavior changes. They did not, and to, to my knowledge, I don't think Abbas has yet to condemn uh, fully the, this murder. In fact, in, immediately after it took place, the official website, the Facebook site of Fatah and the Wafa News Agency both declared him a shahid, uh, a martyr, both uh, issued proclamations praising him, and his mother came out saying how proud she was of this indescribable, heinous act. I, I know it touched people, uh, the idea of a 13-year-old, a sweet, innocent child like this, and when you see her face, you, you immediately get it, that, that she could be killed, and thank God her two sisters, who you could see share a room there, because there were bunk beds next to hers, were away. Or else they, God forbid, might have been uh, victims as well. And the failure to act the failure to condemn, and, the, and that they will now give a pension to the family and, and pay him. And the woman who carried out the attack today at Marissa Machpela, the attempted attack, is a cousin of his, of the murderer yesterday. And he had another cousin, I think, who had, was engaged in an attack and was killed. So there is something inherent in this, in the place where they live, in the family. 
and Israel should move immediately to raise the house. Uh, I know that the PA will then compensate them with another house. Believe me, it's not the same. The message has to go out. I have to say the United States' response was, was immediate, and you know that yesterday there was legislation uh, introduced to uh, close a loophole about uh, the stipends for these Palestinian murderers, uh, and Dan Coates of uh, Senator Coates of Indiana introduced it, and they're going to act to shut this loophole, which uh, allows sometimes the use of uh, U.S. dollars. The State Department does deduct money from the money that's supposed to go to the PA for uh, the amounts that they pay to, to terrorists. But this uh, would reduce in uh, the amount, and, they, and you know that the PA had transferred its money, its stipend program, to the PLO. So it would give it, uh, um, and, that, and that they allowed the program to go on unsanctioned. So this will cut it out and say that the USA to the Palestinians will be cut by the amount the Secretary determines is equivalent to the amount spent by the PA uh, and the PLO and any successor or affiliated organization, because they keep pulling these subterfuges. And, uh, and so this legislation is very important. We well, should support it. Let's go back for a second to the murder of Halel Yaffa Ariel. Um, I, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised that you're... Um, it sounds like you're satisfied with the reaction from the United States. I thought it was one of those typical, especially for an American citizen, it turns out she is. I thought it was one of those typical State Department, uh, you know, uh, obligatory statements and really nothing beyond that. Was there anything else I'm not aware of? Well, there were several statements. You're right. The first statement, the statement by Kirby was, uh, I think, insufficient. The fact that the White House, as far as I know, has not said anything. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm It was the second State Department, though, briefing about it, which was much stronger. And I, in fact, called the State Department as soon as I saw the first statement, and they read me a second statement, which seemed to be much better. But regardless, the United States' reaction is it's not just a verbal reaction of condemnation. You know, the Germans issued a statement in Hebrew, by the way, which was strong. The, the, uh, I think the EU did. Uh, England certainly did. Uh, you know, but it's all after the fact. In the meantime, they're talking about rewarding his intransigence by convening the uh, European ministers or by doing other acts um, which forestall any chance of uh, forcing him to a negotiating table or to any kind of serious action. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I'm, I, I wasn't exonerating them from it. They, 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 there were several reactions. I think that the first one from uh, Kirby's State Department was certainly not sufficient. And, and then, and then there's the Prime Minister, and and this is not to you know, I, as we've said many times in the last you know th- thirty years that we're speaking, it's not exactly an easy job. So I'm not saying I could do it any better, but you know, when it comes to uh, random violence or you know crime, okay, Prime Minister and other officials have a responsibility to do what they can to reduce those numbers and to reduce the incidents, etc. And we know what public safety is all about in that regard. Uh, but here, it just, I don't know, to me it seems is a greater responsibility on the part of the Israeli government uh, to crack down, to utilize intelligence, to, to do something in retaliation that would in fact send the message. You mentioned raising homes. There are probably other measures as well that can be taken. I, I, I can only imagine that you've spoken to the prime minister over the years about this practice of visiting a shiva house in this type of situation. It has to make him very uncomfortable because a, a person who, a leader with any measure of responsibility has to sit there thinking that part of this or some of it 
you know, is preventable if he might take certain types of action. Am I right? I think you're absolutely right, and I think that Netanyahu takes it very personally. He did go uh, to see the family, and uh, I don't know how a prime minister of Israel functions. I, I, I would not... The, the, having the responsibility has is far greater than the President of the United States, because, you know, they have a margin of error. Right. Israel does not. Right. So the prime minister has to weigh each time what is the response and what what will produce the result that, that you want. And uh, and sometimes the res- response is, is appears to be weak, but that there are reasons uh, for it. But more importantly, it's the things you don't see. Uh, when you talk about increased intelligence and, and the um, efforts that the, the uh, police make and the intelligence agencies make, they prevent multiple, multiple uh, times the number of events that take place. But you don't read about an event that doesn't take place. You don't see all the arrests, the raids that take place. The and and they do it under tremendous pressure from the international community, which then comes out and and you know and blasts Israel over these defensive acts, or, the, or when they demolish houses, or when they take other kind of punitive actions uh, against the the PA, and and then just come down on the side of uh, of Abbas, and Abbas mm-hmm. then screams and yells like a. What do they say? A stuck pig, and then the international community, of course, says, "Well, he's the weaker party, et etc." Right. There is, in fact, more cooperation than you would believe between the PA security agencies and Israeli forces, and that has also prevented uh, many attacks. So you can't just judge it by the, you know, the ones we see. You got to think about how many we don't see. Yeah, I don't take place. I understand that, but. Uh I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking for. Am I looking for a prime minister to get up and scream? Am I looking for somebody to, you know, a- express the the emotion that Jews around the world are feeling after an episode like this? Maybe, you know, there's just a frustration that it seems like, you know, can't someone just get up there and do something or, you know, announce that you're, you know, taking this step towards retaliation or sending the military in here or there? And I know, I know they closed the village. You mentioned raising the home and the likelihood of that and all that. I don't know. Just uh, the anger builds up, and you're not quite sure what to what what you want in terms of Israel's response. Which is why people sometimes take take the law into their own hands, and why people do other things. But look, look what happened in Turkey. Look what happened in uh, in so many places. Oh, we'll we'll get to that. Where, in a minute. Let me, where we'll, you have dictatorships, I mean, and and where theoretically he could do whatever he wants and has done whatever. He's raised whole towns, right. Kurdish towns. He's he's killed countless people. Prime Minister Israel, unfortunately, doesn't have that that leeway because of the international pressure to take all the steps necessary to protect the citizens. But I think that they've come to the point, and, and I think that there is an international fatigue with the, excusing the Palestinians. You don't see the same reaction that you used to see. That I think the condemnations that came uh, and the demands on, on Abbas, I have to say the United States pressed Abbas about, about condemning, and they've been... Uh, more tough on him uh, of late. Some of people have. Yeah, if, if you mean official governmental reaction, I think that's correct, right? Right. That's what you mean. You mean yes. of, uh, official government, because we, we, we've seen plenty of, well, they shouldn't be living in illegal settlements and all that stuff in reaction to Kiryat Arba, but I would assume... Well, and today we have the Quartet Report, right, which uh, Abbas is furious about, but uh, frankly, I'm sure the Israelis are not happy about either, because it, it does... Uh, and, and frankly, people's expectations were that it would be much worse, and I think it was toned down. And again, I think the U.S. played a role here. Uh, and I know a little bit about some of the internal machinations, 
the the first thing it talks about is the incitement and terrorism. It does. It's the first issue that they raise and and go into some detail and yep. put the onus clearly on on the PA. That is the why. Second thing is settlements, <laughs> right? And then they go after the settlement issue, and right. then they third they talk about Gaza. Right. Shockingly enough, incitement beat out the settlements, and that's the number the one slide exactly. absolute shocker. Uh, that's why I was somewhat frustrated. And anybody who heard the beginning of yesterday's show saw how frustrated I was. And you might tell me that it was an overreaction, but I, I know there was this brawl in the Knesset because of the statements of uh, Hanin Zoabi this week. A lot of people saw the video. I mean, I wouldn't exactly call it a brawl compared to some of the parliamentary real brawls we've seen <laughs> over the years around the world. I would call it more of a Jewish brawl that erupted, but anyway, uh, th- this happens, and of course, her statements are outrageous about the IDF, and and, uh, and Netanyahu even has acknowledged that he's seeing if there are legal means of getting her out of the Knesset. I get all that. But then after Halel Yaffa Ariel's murder, for anybody in the Knesset, especially the deputy speaker of the Knesset, to get up and say that Hanin Zoabi is responsible for it. I think that takes the real focus away from the real insiders, from the mosques, from the family, from the schools, from the communities that these people live in. And I think that the most accurate was her mother, Halel's mother, who said it's the, the mother of the terrorist who's responsible for this. I think that's the, that is what should be said within 24 hours of a murder like this. I guarantee you this terrorist 17-year-old probably never even heard of Hanin Zoabi. So... You know, it's, it, it is very complicated to, to try and assess in this kind of situation responsibility. I think that the purpose, by the way, there isn't just one deputy speaker, as people should know, there are many. So the, uh, the, the response to Zoabi's comments, I, for one, have no sympathy, and I think that, you know, despite freedom of speech and everything else that we want to see, there has to be some limit, there has to be some standard, and the fact that they get away with the kind of comments that they make on all of these occasions, members of the Knesset drawing a salary from the Israeli government, coming into the official body of parliament of Israel, of the state of Israel, and behaving as they do, should not be tolerated. And and they are our national figures, so it's different when a, a mother may engage in something, but when you have somebody who goes on Palestinian media and is broadcast constantly with these outrageous comments, calling them uh, the idea of murderers, comparisons to Nazis, all of these things, it is of a different significance. It gives it a legitimacy when you say an MK is getting up there and, and an allegedly elected representative uh, of, of these people, uh, of, the, of the Israeli Arab community, and engaging in it, many Israeli Arabs have come out against uh, against them, and are embarrassed sometimes by by these comments. But there there is a significance to it that is somewhat different. It does not in any way exonerate the rest of the media and the and the the PA itself, led by Abbas. I mean, Abbas is the chief insider, and we should acknowledge that the mother. I mean, her comments on uh, PATV should be shown to everybody to show again, once again, uh, exactly the nature of that society and and what is what is happening there. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at ninety one point nine on the FM dial, broadcasting live. In the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world in the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. If you want to comment on anything, you could utilize the NSN app for that. We have it open in front of us, and uh, oh, in fact, I see a comment coming from Israel as we speak. So feel free to comment um, on anything that's going on here 
um, uh, through the app or through any of the open email addresses. Uh, could you explain the? Uh, we'll get we'll get to Turkey. Everyone's anxious to hear. Uh, there's so much to discuss regarding Turkey and Israel, and of course what happened this week with the terrorist attack. But could you just clear up this? The, I I tried to get it straight last week. I don't have it straight. Is there is there a foreign aid debate still? Is Israel asking for certain aid from the United States that's not forthcoming? Well, what's the status right now? Let me just say one other thing that I forgot I was going to say about the incitement. Look at what Abbas did speaking before the Europeans, the same people who endorsed this quartet report, and talked about Israel poisoning the waters, literally poisoning the waters, not as a figure of speech, and then went back and had to retract it and admitted that, that, that what he said uh, uh, was wrong. This is a blood libel. And the very fact that he believed it and accepted it without checking it, without knowing the facts, is why I say he is the insider-in-chief and why that kind of a statement can incite people to act and to, to do things, um, and especially because it comes from an authority. Uh, I, I, so, agree, I agree with you. My point is, when you have a 17-year-old potential terrorist, the parents, the family, the community, and the mosque, and the schools are much more significant to him than Abbas or any member of Knesset. Of course, they have to be held to account. That's and they all have to, Of course, we have to. They should all be rooted out and and addressed. But uh, I'm saying to you about how they set the tone that right. gives the license to those people. Right. You know, the if the PA wants to crack down on the mosques, they know how to do it. Right. When they want to send in their forces and crack down on local incitement, they know how to do it. Can the PA silence Arab members of Knesset if they wanted to? They can certainly influence them. They can't silence them. Uh, Abbas's influence is diminishing greatly. It is, not, it is not what it was. Arafat probably could have had a greater ability because he had greater sway during his tougher years. But today, Abbas is, is seen as uh, tired, old, over the hill, irrelevant to, to it. Okay, so about the MOU, the discussions are still going on. There is still resistance, as you know, on a couple of issues. One <coughs> is that 26% of the money that uh, uh, that Israel gets is not spent in the United States. Right. 74% is spent in the United States creating tens of thousands of jobs here and and literally keeping major businesses alive because that money uh, um, creates in Texas, uh, I don't know how many, tens of thousands of jobs alone. Uh, so uh, people think that the money that Israel gets goes to Israel, stays in Israel, and in fact it's used for procurement here. 24%, uh, 26% is allowed to be spent, which is very vital to Israel's arms industry uh, so that they can develop many of the amazing things that they have that the United States benefits from. You know, the F-35 was rolled out uh, this week, and, and uh, Lieberman and others were there right. to uh, <coughs> receive the first plane that will be delivered to Israel in December. It's uh, the stealth uh, fighter. It's, it's it is one impre- It's one impressive aircraft. <laughs> that is for sure. So I, I, as I... I asked him uh, when he was uh, talking to me about this ceremony, I said, how could you know it's there? If it's a stealth fighter, how would you know it was there? He said he could see the wheels moving. So, so the, the avionics the on it, which America gets, the, the wings are made by Israel Aircraft Industries, the helmets, etc. All these improvements were made by Israel. And so America benefits even from the 26% that is spent in Israel, as we do with Iron Dome, etc. 
So that's one set of, uh, of uh, issues is related to the memo of understanding, which is to govern uh, military aid for the next 10 years. In the, uh, in the regular military budget, defense budget, the Congress upped the amount for Iron Dome. The administration asked for $150 million. Every year they usually ask for a lower amount. Congress increases it. administration goes along with it. This time, the president said he would veto the bill over this because they increased it to about $600 million, And then he tried to juxtapose it to the aid going to our own military um, missile defense program. Uh, when, in fact, of course, Iron Dome and David Swing and all that, did, and it's a joint program, and it benefits the United States, and it's used by the United States. This technology is certainly uh, exploited as well. Will Israel, in the end, be satisfied with the aid package? So we have the two uh, two parts. One is the annual allocation right. and the amount of money that is uh, being allocated. And, in fact, after the president came out against when the Senate recommended, the House voted more than two to one, to support the increased amount. So the question is, will the administration want to go to a mat? Will they work out some amount, some uh, other uh, arrangement? Uh, the, the, the point also is that you have to think about what is that message that is sent then to the region? How do countries there look at it if the president is saying, want to veto the bill over a missile defense program that everybody admits is successful? What does that say about U.S.'s relations? What does it say about uh, the U.S. commitments? So that's one uh, fact. One, one set of uh, issues is related to the immediate allocations, and then on the memo of understanding. So far, they have not reached an accord. One is about the annual increases; it has to at least cover the cost of living increases and the other expense increases. But even more, uh, they want to incorporate the money for Iron Dome, the annual allocations for Iron Dome, into this as well, which was not part of it in the past. When Israel is facing Iran post-deal with its increased uh, missile development capacity with Hezbollah's huge missiles, uh, stockpiles of 100, over 100,000, Hamas developing more and more sophisticated weapons. The needs are greater, not lesser. And everybody admits and acknowledges that Israel is the bulwark in the forefront today, protecting many Arab countries and protecting the front line for U.S. interests. So... It's, it is very unfortunate, I think, to have these kind of differences. I, I would hope that they can work out the, the deal, because until the next administration gets in and to work it out, it will, it will delay it further. And we don't know who the new members of who will be in the new Congress, whether right. who will control the committees, et cetera, and what their views will be. Generally, there's broad support uh, for the U.S.-Israel relationship, the aid to Israel. What's the minimum amount of time? This is going to take at least how long to work out? could be worked out tomorrow if it could. we agree on everything. Right, and it can't uh, last until the next the, administration. The thing is that you have till you know, till the end of December, I would say, or till December to try and hammer it out with this right. administration. All right, we heard about the attack, and uh, we've been hearing a lot about the attack in Istanbul. Um, uh, those of us who are somewhat Israel-centric wonder about uh, the timing of the attack. The terrorists may be acknowledging the fact that Israel and Turkey now have a closer relationship and understanding than they did you know, days before. Uh, then then when, we, when it started to be revealed that the likelihood is it was an ISIS attack, um, I, I surmise that uh, I, I Israel's relationship with Turkey was probably irrelevant to it, the way ISIS operates. Do you think that's correct or not? First of all, this thing was planned long before the deal was announced. So you can't carry off uh, an attack like this 
on two days' notice or a day's notice, and nobody knew that the deal would be concluded and announced when it was. They knew negotiations going on, but nobody knew uh, long in advance. To coordinate these kind of uh, uh, attacks, and such a massive attack, uh, takes a lot of time. Second, uh, the ISIS agenda is is not really uh, related to whether they signed this deal or not. Right. Could it enhance the the antipathy, et cetera? Yeah, maybe. But uh, they also, by the way, right now there's a lot of tension with the Russians, and so he did a deal with the Russians. You could say people attributed to that as well. Uh, I think that this is part of the ongoing uh, war between ISIS and, and Turkey. Uh, they're also fighting with the uh, PKK, with the Kurds, and that too could have been a factor, but the... Um, um, th- this is not related to the Israel deal, I think. Um, so, so now this happens um, in light of uh, uh, of what's uh, of this continual, as you described it, a war between Turkey and ISIS. Um, and on the um, on the heels of this arrangement, this deal, this monetary compensation that Israel is handing over to Turkey, uh, is it twenty million dollars? Is that the accurate thing to for the them? families? To the families of the, the families of the victims, uh, the, uh, the victims of the, of the Gaza flotilla. Um, how did this play in Israel? Are, you, I, I've heard there's some dissension and some opposition to the way Israel caved in, so to speak, on this issue and went ahead and paid the compensation. Is it a big deal to most Israelis? Uh, I think it was immediately. There was uh, concern whether Israel gave in too much or. Um, there were uh, three members of the security cabinet, Ked Lieberman and Bennett, who voted against it. Right. Um, and there were some of the military who were involved who, who were upset because it appeared as if they are accepting guilt or responsibility right. for responding to a terrorist uh, action. W- which I thought they had already accepted, you know, months or years ago. <laughs> they did. It's true. And, and you know, Israel does benefit from this deal. It's true that Turkey benefits, but Israel benefits a lot. Number one, they got to open their office in NATO, and Turkey dropped all opposition in international forward to Israel's uh, participation, etc. Second, uh, there's a potential for a huge gas deal here, with and with Turkey serving as perhaps a transit point for Israeli uh, gas from the Leviathan find to the uh, to Europe. Uh, the trade had gone up every year anyway, but if in any way they would mute some of the Turkish actions. But I don't anticipate that. I think that it's too much ingrained in, in Erdogan, and, we'll, and the real test will see if he, if he lives up to the deal. Uh, and I don't know whether Israel perhaps helped broker the Russian understanding, you know, the fact that Bibi was there just before, and uh, whether they helped uh, in, in uh, facilitating it. It's not an agreement. It's not a real end to the to the conflict between Russia and Turkey, but it did, did lower the the flames. And as Netanyahu said, you know, whenever you remove or reduce a point of tension and friction today right. in the region, right. it is important. And for Israel, you know, I I don't think uh, the tourism to Turkey is a big issue. I don't think that that the as I said, I think the economic things were were moving along. But to lower the tension and to to take that, uh, if, if if in fact he lives up to his commitment to take Hamas out of uh, uh, its uh, out of its ability to 
um, I'm trying to be careful because of the, of the role that that they actually played right. and what I think he'll do. But the, the the commitment is that the Hamas officials who were giving operational orders from Turkey would no longer be allowed to do it. Whether they'll be allowed to stay, whether they will be you know forced to leave, he has made a commitment, and and that's a measurable thing. Right. We'll see whether he lives up to it. So, so you know he's not the most stable character. Right. So and, it's possible uh, that BB says to Putin. We we need as stable a Turkey as possible for... Or that, that uh, uh, Erdogan said to him, could you, on your next trip to Russia, could you put in a good word for us? And, and it would be in the interest of Turkey to have as calm and stable a relationship with Russia as possible. They are suffering greatly from the cutoff of four and a half million tourists to, to, to Turkey. Their tourism industry is decimated by it. The um, the trade, other issues uh, that um, have had a, a serious uh, impact on uh, on Turkey's economy, and uh, he is in a much weakened position. So, you know, he he started out with a policy where he said he would have zero problems on his borders, and he ended up with problems on every border. Right, and you know, certainly in Syria and and his internal fight against terrorism, so he, he's got a lot of stuff to fight, <laughs> am a I, lot of uh, uh, battle. So, Am I making uh, too big of a deal of the role that Israel is now playing in the Middle East? Because to me it seems unprecedented that certain countries are reaching out to Israel, trying to have as good and positive a relationship with them as possible, thinking ahead that they're going to need Israel down the road. Is, it, is that unprecedented, and or, or, or I just don't realize it's happened many times before? No, it is unprecedented. It, it is. Um, there have been uh, relations before. You know, Israel had an embassy in, in Qatar at one time and had an interest section in, in UAE. Still has an informal one. Uh, the, the but you're right. There is uh, a growing uh, effort by many Arab countries. But what you see is hardly the story of what's really going on, and the. Um, and, and Israel is the source of stability right now, and, and especially against Iran. And people today are not talking so much about Iran, but Iran right. is very active. We see the fight, for instance, in Bahrain, uh, and, and we are very close, perhaps, to some sort of a conflict there. It's a hardly the story of what's really going on. What, what it sounds like you mean by that is that there is such a, an informal structure of cooperation between Israel and certain Arab states, we would be shocked. That's what it sounds like to me. Is that close to what you're trying to say? Certainly surprised, but people, you know, have read about it, so I don't know if we still have the shock value, but surprise value maybe. And and even for Turkey, Turkey, and Erdogan raised this with me when I saw him both, both times that I saw him in the last few months, um, about wanting to be part of the Mediterranean Initiative, which is based on Israel, Cyprus, Greece, but many other countries coming in, and and that people would be shocked about. Right. Uh, in fact, um, I spoke to the Prime Minister about it extensively last week, about how we have to exploit this opportunity. And, and to exactly. Israel can I, be the hub of right. the whole Mediterranean And region. by the way, it's so funny you say that, because I'm just thinking to myself, my God, Hillary or Trump are going to have an opportunity to assist Israel in playing such a major role of leadership in the Middle East. It's going to be amazing. Maybe Israel will have a chance to help Trump or Hillary play an important role in the Middle East again. 
right. and that uh, uh, you know Israel is an important player with all the animosity and hatred. And I'm not saying there's been an overnight change, and we see that the polls in most Arab countries still remain hostile. But the fact is that if you look at the CC statement, you look at some of the others. Uh, they are uh, much more accepting, and, and they know that they run the risk of the animosity of uh, they're worried Iran. For their own, they're worried for their own lives. And, and, of course, they're all worried about their own lives. And yet you see the, the, there are so many shifting alliances. Let's say Turkey. Turkey and Egypt are in conflict. He wants to better his relationship. He wants a better relationship with a lot of people. But at the same time, they're extending their influence. Turkey's role today in Europe is going to shock people. I mentioned it. Uh, quite a while ago, but they're underwriting the building of hundreds, if not thousands, of mosques throughout Europe. He is trying to to, to dominate, as he is in in other areas, and to reassert the Ottoman Empire. This is not a hypothetical. This is a serious goal on his part, just as the Iranians want this Persian Empire and are moving ahead with it. This, the, the goals and the aspirations there are very clear. So, it's so hard to talk about these issues when when they're so complex. There's so many things within things that uh, um, you know that matter, and sometimes the simplicity with which uh, they're reported in the press, or um, you, you know, the, in Syria today, Hezbollah and Russia are, are at war today. Essentially, they're saying the Russians don't give them air cover. They lost uh, 25 of their terrorists in one shot near Aleppo. Seventy-five yesterday were killed, both government and rebel troops. And they're saying that since the Russians announced that they're going to reduce their cover, they're not protecting uh, Hezbollah fighters. And Hezbollah came out and said, we could not exist were it not for the Iranian money and Iranian support. Mm. And they said, as long as Iran has money, we have money, which reminds us about why the sanctions are so important. And why the the deal was so significant. Right. And then you have al-Qaeda and al-Nusra and their new activities, and you have so many layers within layers within layers, all of which play out, and many of them obviously uh, affect Israel uh, in terms of the security situation there and and the the fact that ISIS, which has been diminished of late in Syria, has been focusing on Israel. Their website is, they're they're talking about attacks against Israel because they're trying to become relevant again and get visibility and perhaps rally uh, more support. Uh, they haven't done anything, but they, the, the threat is something that the U.S. intelligence is more Israel takes seriously, and you know, to, to, and obviously Israel does take it very seriously. All right, there's so much more to discuss. Uh, I'm going to try to save my list for for next week. The two things I got to get to: number one, we're getting uh, a Monday, the 40th anniversary in the secular calendar of the rescue at Entebbe. Anybody out there who has children or grandchildren who never heard of Entebbe, they've got to sit down and to tell them. What happened on the uh, on the uh, July fourth, nineteen seventy six? It was uh, one of the most miraculous, probably the greatest uh, hostage rescue situation in the history of the world. I would guess. Am I right? I would assume. I can't probably. Im- I can't imagine anything more dramatic than that. Uh, so that's number one. And uh, Israel should continue, or, or maybe restart. Uh, acting as courageously as they did uh, 40 years ago. A lot of decisions had to be made. As you know, Malcolm, you know the story very well. A lot of decisions had to be made. A lot of brave decisions had to be made. And uh, we expect and hope that the Israeli government can make those brave decisions again these days. And and secondly, very important, the... um, I don't think anybody thinks it's a coincidence. It seems like this every single year, that June and July uh, starts to escalate uh, attacks. You, in fact, mentioned the weather as a possibility of uh, 
uh, of um, uh, uh, being an impetus for uh, uh, for acting. Uh, well, you didn't excuse it because of the weather, but you know what I mean. You, you said, you know. I was saying the weather because of Ramadan. Exactly. Uh, in this case, Ramadan, right. Um, uh, but nonetheless, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that as tourism season starts to build up, that's when the enemy starts to um, act the way they do and carry out attacks. It's a good time to remind everybody to uh, keep their trips scheduled and to get to Israel and travel there as often as possible because that is the only legitimate response to all this. And all too often, unfortunately, we see a drop in tourism when things like this start to escalate. So I'm just reminding everybody how important their role. It's not just going and having a good time and spending some money there. It's a really important statement in terms of getting to Israel and uh, frequenting there as much as possible. Well, first of all, on the tourism front, absolutely. If you if if the threat of something happening, first of all, you're safer in Israel than most any other place. But there is no place that's untouched by it. No place. So the idea that you can run someplace, maybe some isolated corner of the world that nobody's found, but uh, Incl- including our neighborhoods in New York and New Jersey, by the way, you mean everywhere? I mean everywhere, everywhere. exactly. And the the second thing is that you know the prime minister is going to Africa on Sunday. Uh, for a trip to commemorate the 40th anniversary, he will be in Uganda, Rwanda, uh, Ethiopia, and uh, Kenya. So it's he'll be at the airport, right? Prime Minister to Africa since Golda. Really? So it's many decades uh, since an official visit, and I have to tell you that I meet with African leaders. They are anxious to establish ties, to reestablish links with Israel. Some that don't have diplomatic relations. Uh, I met just this week with one. Uh, and we're working on developing ties and see how we can uh, foster that because Africa is an important front economically, politically. Now, now do uh, you do you know if, as a citizen, he or his family members ever visited the spot where his brother was murdered during Entebbe? You have any idea? Uh, as far as I know, they did not. Wow! So this is I going think to this be is the the first time, and uh, and the very fact that the Ugandan government and others are doing this, I think, is. Uh, yeah. It's also, it's, it's a statement, no question. and it goes back to what I told you earlier yeah. about yeah. Israel's acceptance, how Israel is viewed, that even countries that, that can't, don't have diplomatic relations are, are anxious to have the visit. And, uh, and uh, I can tell you that another African country called me and asked me whether we could uh, influence the prime minister to, to visit their country as well. And it, it just it's not feasible this time, but I think that you will see the prime minister perhaps making... Uh, more of an outreach and other Israeli officials um, to to uh, go out. Israel, you know, on so many fronts, you talk about water reclamation, uh, post-harvest reclamation, which is a huge problem in Africa. Israel's ahead of everybody on yeah. it and has the great technology, and that's what they want, and they're going to do. They're bringing along some of the people who have developed things, including prepix, which... It's going to save impoverished... It's, it's going to save impoverished countries. I mean, it, it, you can't imagine what the system's going to do for it certain African nations. all the difference in the world about whether people survive or not. And the, um, you know, we focus on, people focus on so many things about Israel, but nobody talks about the life-saving work that Israel does day in and day out and the aid and the educational efforts that are going on yeah. in, in Africa by uh, Israelis. You know, and uh, in the meantime, we see that the the bad guys, the Russians, the Iranians, are able now. They're negotiating new deals, and I don't know if anybody read Secretary Kerry's remarks, but I think that they should. If you want to try to understand why you can't understand the policy regarding Boeing and the sale uh, with Boeing, mm-hmm. and uh, the um, uh, by the way, the appointment of a new head of the new chief of staff of the Iranian Armed Forces, 
who is a guy who has made really uh, disturbing uh, comments and said the Iranian nation is standing for its cause. That is the full annihilation of Israel. So I guess this is another sign of the moderation post deal that uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, moderation. I like that. I like how uh, you say that casually. <laughs> the moderation r- post deal, <laughs> right? And you know, this is a twenty-five billion dollar deal. I, yeah. I don't know that it actually will be consummated with with Boeing. The deal itself is right. made. And this follows on an Airbus deal. So the idea that Turkey right. is not being rewarded, Turkey is not getting, and then right. the the excuse that they use. But if you you have to read. The, both the comments that were made trying to explain it and, and the Secretary's own comments, which, frankly, I think were incoherent, that you can't figure out what the answer is. Right. Read okay. it. All right, got to go, Malcolm. Thank you for everything. A week from today, we'll continue with the weekly update. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos. Candlelighting 811 on this Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach.